Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Good morning, Bruce. It's been two weeks since we have seen each other on the podcast. Great to be back with you. Morning. It's great to be back. Awesome. So today we are going to continue unpacking. I know I overuse that word, but I really like the word unpack because it means we're digesting and working through something and really seeking to understand and not just have a cursory overview of something. We're continuing to unpack becoming your own banker. We've been on this series for 17 episodes and now we're on number 18. I think it's the longest series, Bruce, we've ever done. And today we're moving on to a section in this book by Nelson Nash, and we have just covered how to make sure you're capitalizing a policy. Specifically, he used an example of equipment financing, but we're moving on to this idea of how do I really get started? And I know we've actually said this before. How do I get started? Well, you could think of getting started with infinite banking as doing an application. You could also think of getting started with infinite banking as how much capital am I going to put into this infinite banking policy and where's that capital going to come from? But really this conversation that we're going to have today is about how to get started and the three things that you need in terms of what you need prepared around you. And the reason I say it in that way is that any big decision you ever make to make a change or do something different in your life requires you to really become a new person in order to do that. And these these key ingredients actually need to be present in any change you're ever making, not just one for infinite banking. And so this is a great conversation to listen into if you are, I mean, doing anything on the full spectrum of life. If you are trying to improve a relationship, if you are trying to get in better health, if you are trying to improve your um, your personal education and become develop yourself personally, if you're trying to change your mindset and become a, a more positive person, if you're doing anything that is different from what you're currently doing, which if you're a growth human, which we all are on this show, you're you're making changes. And so these three things are really needing to be present in any change that you're making. And so that's how I'm going to angle or position this conversation today. But Bruce, I would love to hear your thoughts before we kind of dive into what this part which is actually called Capitalizing Your System and Implementation. I think um, that's on page 65 of this book. That's what we're digging into, but I'd love to hear your thoughts before we dive in. Well, I think everything you just said was was very uh, positive and proactive. And there's been many psychological studies done that positivity is much more um, welcome to the brain although negativity can actually act much faster. And so I was just reading um, a book last night, once again, Lifelong Learning, as you just said, and they were talking about um, getting rid of negative thoughts are much more important than trying to enhance your positive thoughts. Ooh. And it is because it is because the brain's... Uh, elasticity um, because of our fight and flight uh, for our biological reasons, the 
the neurons can actually move along the negative thoughts very, very quickly. And it almost like etches the brain to make it very easy to continue those negative thoughts. And that is why you will get a mob mentality very easily with people because uh, one negative thought feeds off another negative thought. And when you're around those negative people, um, it just keeps easily getting more negative and negative and negative. And it's a biological thing. Um, positive thoughts can do the same thing. It just it takes a lot longer to do that because you can't, you can't be positive that you're going to overcome a, um, a fight or flight situation. You have to react right now. And so that's why they say it's uh, trying to get rid of those negative thoughts um, actually will enhance your ability to move forward in a variety of different activities than trying to just remain positive over and over and over. And I, I found that in my, in my own life uh, over the years. And I've, I've been a pretty optimistic person um, my entire life. And I've tried to uh, mentor people in this aspect that really um, negativity or pessimism doesn't really even have a place because it's, it's about, usually it's about worrying about things that might happen. The future, and, right? In the future. And I talk about this all the time with people with whole life. It's like, a lot of people have negative connotations about whole life because of something they heard, mm -hmm. not because of something they experienced. Because they and, didn't unpack it for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, I think Nelson, and this is what it drives me crazy when people talk about Nelson's book in, in numbers. Oh, I want to look at the illustrations. I want to look at, um, how much cash value I'm going to have, how much death benefit I'm going to have. And Nelson knew that the human behavior was the most important. And he actually starts, he starts talking about that at the beginning part of this chapter. And I like it. And, and we're going we're gonna to look at this in more deeply. But he talks about going back to the uh, first four chapters of the book mm -hmm. to overcome the different human behavior laws. So anything you do, you're exactly right. So this is, we're going to talk about this today as far as implementing the becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept, but really you can really do this to change any aspect in your life. You know, Bruce, uh, I was thinking a little bit further about that, you know, he, something you heard versus something that you experienced. And I'm going to lean hard into this unpack word just for a second, because I again, I know that we overuse that word, but if you had a suitcase or a piece of luggage and it was full and closed and you just looked at that and said, okay, well, that's a suitcase. Yes, it is. Infinite banking is a suitcase, if you will. But unpacking something means that you open it, you look at every single component, you look at all the contents, you take an overview of the whole picture, but then you understand each of the details as well. And I think I'm such a visual person that the word unpack really does mean just that we're going to dissect and look at every component and figure out how it all fits together so that we can really, really understand. And Bruce, I think that that's a huge part about transforming a negative mindset even because it can be easy to be negative about something that you just have a feeling about rather than a true understanding. And so as we dive into truly understanding that allows us to shift those negative ideas into positive ideas. And 
what is really, really important. I'm going to start here with the idea of making any change. I was actually listening to something on sales earlier this week, and it was the same exact concept that I saw very clearly as I was reading this chapter. And in order to make a change in anything, if you're going to make any kind of change, the, the current state you're in right now has to be uncomfortable enough that the only way to resolve that comfort is to make the change. So for instance, if I'm not healthy in, and I'm not working out, I'm not eating right, I'm not taking supplements, I'm not concerned about nutrition, I'm not sleeping, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing any of the things in my life that are going to allow me to get to where I want to be in my health, that has to be uncomfortable enough for me to bear that pain of change, the, the, the shifting my actions and shifting my behaviors and shifting my mindset and getting a new result that has to feel better. It has to relieve that pain of being where I currently am. So it's not necessarily the same thing, Bruce, that you were talking about with a negative mindset, but you have to have that desire. And that's why I shared this here because Nelson dives into that exact word. He says, if somebody is now convinced that this is an action they should take, they understand that Look, if I'm not becoming my own banker, then I am paying interest to the banking industry. I'm paying into the pockets of a, a whole industry that controls capital. And if I like that position and I'm okay with being the customer of the bank and I'm okay with not having capital and I'm okay with not earning interest and dividends and I'm okay with all those things, well, that's not going to compel you to change and become a person who uses infinite banking. But if you recognize the problem and you say, well, I don't like that 30, what, four cents of every dollar in general is usually flowing away from me through interest to another institution because they had the capital. I'm having to use their capital, pay them for the use of that capital. And that takes me out of control. That shrinks the dollars that I have available to use for myself. And that means that the banking system is getting the interest and dividends. They're earning the rewards of holding that capital and building the business of banking. Hmm, I don't like that. And I'm convinced enough that I don't like that, that I'm willing to say, I will go through what it takes to start my own infinite banking policy so that I can then be in a position of building a bank, building a business so that I can reap the rewards. I can earn the interest and dividends. I can get into a position that I have more options in the future. I can use my cash value. I can have this death benefit that I can give and gift to children or grandchildren or charities or nieces and nephews or whoever you want to gift that to. You're in a position of being able to build a legacy and have cash that you can use for anything that you want. And it's growing because you've used infinite banking. So if you're convinced that that is a shift that you want to make, desire is at the the fulcrum. It's the tipping point between that position of where you were and where you want to go. And having that desire then says to, or that puts you in a position of saying, how do I get started? How do I actually um, become this person who uses infinite banking? Not just how do I apply for a policy? What does the application process look like? What does the conversation look like to be able to get into that into that infinite banking policy? But how do I actually become a person who uses infinite banking? And the first key that he uses is desire. He says, without it, you probably can't do it. And he talks about Parkinson's law. He talks about all the human behavior stuff that Bruce, you mentioned going back to the beginning of the book and saying, if you are going to overcome 
all of these things, it has to start with desire. Your desire for the thing that you want to get that's different than where you currently are has to be strong enough to compel you to make those changes. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I think people that have good money habits already uh, and come and come in contact with this uh, concept make the make the easy connection and they start implementing it in their daily lives. It's the people that do not have good money habits that think that this is going to get them good money habits. Mm. Where I think there there's a real disconnect, and unfortunately, in social media, there's a lot of people that are touting this is the greatest way for to get you out of debt, and it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. If a person is in a lot of debt, and then they they can't even pay their their regular um, expenses. And then all of a sudden that now they have a premium to pay on top of it. And then they can't, they cannot access all the premium uh, because of lack of liquidity in the early years, no matter how skinny you build the base, then they try to pay off this and, but then they recreate the debt and they have a premium. None of it makes any sense to me. And so when the, the desire he's talking about, I think is not the desire to have good money habits. It's the desire to rethink your thinking of where your people that have good money habits are storing their money Mm. and then, Mm -hmm. and then utilizing it um, to do financing a different way. People can do financing. A lot of people we run into are actually have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in certain aspects that they can get to at any time, but, but they're also still financing. And it's an interesting concept because that's just way we were taught. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not even by our parents, but by marketing and social media and, and so on and so forth, that this is what you have to do. So overcoming that desire is really difficult for people that don't have money habits, good money habits. I like that you made that distinction because I think the desire has to be for what infinite banking can do for you as a positive force, not how it can fix negative problems necessarily. And and right. I think that's what you were saying. If you are in a negative mindset with negative financial problems, it's not going to fix the negativity. What it will do is it will take something that's already going in a positive direction and make it better. And that's what the desire really is. I think the desire that is needed is the desire to be in more financial control than you already are, to make the best optimal decisions, to maximize your capital and do the most with your money and put it to work as hard as possible so that it can perform the best for you. And so that's that's a position of saying or of that's a position of recognizing I'm already doing things well and how do I do them even better? And that is up-leveling your thinking. So that is the desire then not to escape a problem, but to create a better solution. Mm-hmm. Our friend Fritz, who always comments, says the passion for practicing IBC comes from the understanding of how the financial system is made to drain profits from your income and put you in a position of continuous inflation spiral. And Fritz, that's a really good transition to what Nelson says in his book. He says, there is a, this is going to require a change in priorities in life and recognizing that controlling the banking function personally 
is the most important thing that can be done in your financial world. And I believe that this is still a concept that people have a hard time grasping. And what Nelson is, Nelson is simply saying is, is that if you build up you know, your, your uh, monetary situation where you're building up capital in the form of a currency with this cash, and then you pay for something with the cash, that's great. That's, that's really good. However, you're, you're still not doing what a bank would do because you're giving up the interest that you would have earned on that money. Now, a bank is actually giving up the interest that they would have charged that particular person. So what you do is you actually control the banking function in your life by building this up, then borrowing against so you continue to make money on your money and you are not having that interest flow away from you. It's actually going back to an entity that you own as a mutual um, a mutual policy holder of this mutual company and the profits then come back to you. And if you want to go take it a step further, like Nelson was talking about, charge yourself additional interest which is simply PUAs, it's a way to save more money into your system. And if you're working with a practitioner, that practitioner can actually help you maximize that particular thing by analyzing your financial situation to already maximize your your PUAs. And so now if you want to pay more than the interest that the insurance company is charging you, which remember, you are part owner of, mm-hmm. then you just start another policy and you just keep going from there because your capital has to lay somewhere. Why not lay it, a place it's somewhere that you can control? You know, Bruce, I think I actually was thinking about this as I was getting ready to title this episode. And I think it's an interesting position that we have to take this concept that's valuable and that really would help people so tremendously and position it so that people who are looking to improve their lives will find it. And what I mean by that is most people don't search on the internet. How do I control the banking function? Like that's just not really something that most people are aware of. A, what is the banking function, Function, how it is a disadvantage to us and how we can use it advantageously and how we can control it and why that would be a good thing. I mean, there's just so many steps and layers to that idea. And so what can be much easier or more attention grabbing is something like earn higher investment returns or pay off your debt faster. I mean, those are the things that people are more tangibly aware of a problem in their life that they're trying to fix. And so the challenge can be in understanding, well, why do I want to control the banking function really comes down to, do you want to be in financial control or not? Do you want to increase the options that you have in the future? Do you want to make things better tomorrow than your current trajectory is going to provide for? Which, again, all of that requires you to have this long-term thinking rather than just thinking about what is the problem, the felt need that you have right now. And so the challenge with felt needs is that a lot of times people myself included, humanity, we're not necessarily aware of our deepest need. We need somebody to kind of help us understand what the real problem is. I mean, if I just say, you know, I'm 
Uh, I'm frustrated about my life schedule. Well, what's behind that? What am I trying to accomplish? What are my goals? What are the hurdles? How can I overcome those things so that I can truly create the life that I want? But we have layers and layers beneath our frustrations and challenges. And if we really understand the problem, then we'll know what to do. And I think that's a, I don't know if I'm quoting directly what Nelson said, but did he say that? That's pretty close. Yes. It's pretty close. The real problem behind most of the financial challenges that people have is they're not in financial control. Why? Because we have a society and a system that tells us exactly what you said earlier, Bruce. It's not even something we just learned from our parents necessarily, not even just marketing. It's just the way things have always been done. We put our money in stock accounts. And this isn't always done, by the way. This is what people are doing right now. This isn't historically for hundreds of years, the way that people financially operated, but just the way that we operate now is we put our money from our paycheck over into some kind of a qualified plan, like a 401k. We think, well, I'm going to put enough money away in that state. It's going to grow. Hopefully I'll get this average rate of return. It's going to be a higher amount in the future because of interest and because of growth and because of the rate of return inside that, inside of that asset. And this is the way we think. I'm, I'm just extrapolating this way of thinking that's causing the frustration. And then we say, well, I need access capital. Well, I can't get to it because I have to qualify to get my money in the first place. And so since I don't have capital I can access, I need to go get a loan for my car and my furniture and my house and my credit cards. And I'm, I have all of these places where I'm paying another financing institution for capital because I don't have capital because I'm the only capital I do have, I'm putting away for the future in something that I think is going to produce for me an ability to use up the interest and live off that income and preserve the capital. The The problems with this are uh, so vast that we've talked about these all on the show. But if you're putting your money in a place that you don't control, then somebody else is controlling capital. Then you have to pay interest to the banking institutions. Then you can't access capital when you need it. You're also not in a position where money is truly growing if you think that you're going to have a rate of return that's going to always apply to your capital if you're in a position of risk, like in the stock market, because you can have ups and downs, which means your actual returns are not an average rate of return. And then most people using that entire paradigm don't have the ability to use the interest, preserve the capital, and have enough income to sustain them in retirement. And so there's so many challenges with that. Those are the things creating the felt need, the real need is that they're not controlling the banking function. And if you switch that only and you say, I'm going to control capital, I want to have capital that is growing, that I can access and use by controlling the banking function, you allow yourself to earn returns and to increase, to to improve everything about your financial life. Yeah, Nelson, Nelson, he actually detests government. Um, he was an Austrian, and uh, I would say uh, leaning more towards a, an Austrian uh, way of e- the economy thinking, and then also libertarian type of thoughts. And he detests all type of central government. And, you know, we might be talking about banks, but and my, and many, people, many, many people may say... Um, Many people may say, well, but banks are free market, but they're really not because they're they're actually controlled by the central bank, the Federal Reserve, 
And although uh, the Federal Reserve uh, is supposed to be independent from the federal government, because technically it is, but the president appoints the Federal Reserve chairman. There's a lot going on right now. We're in October of 2023, and uh, former President Trump is talking about how he pressured the Federal Reserve chairman to keep uh, interest rates low. And he thinks it was a great idea, but now it's caused massive inflation along with government spending by the next administrative administrative, um, government. Nelson detests all of this because it was a manipulation of the people. And when you were talking about the banking system, another thing that happens is credit scores. I was sitting in, I was sitting watching the news this morning and they were bragging about now 30 states have uh, financial literacy that's taught in schools. Well, Nelson would be rolling over his grave right now because he would say, these bureaucrats don't, they can't take care of their own budgets in Washington and many of these states. And yet now they're going to design programs to teach kids how to do liter- financial literacy. Give me a break, he would say. Mm-hmm. And and they were talking about credit scores. That was one of the most important things they were teaching people. Well, why do you need a credit score? The only reason you need a credit score is to actually get credit from a bank. Well, banks are pushing that because that's the way banks make money. Mm-hmm. And so this message that we have coming out of the government over and over and over, you really have to have people wake up and see what is actually happening. And that's what you were trying to say is if you know what's happening, you'll know what to do. That's Mm -hmm. what Nelson used to always say. If you know what's happening, you'll know what to do. So if you put all these together, really the first place you should start is just taking the banking function into your life. Not only the, not only are you controlling the amount of money flowing out of your control, but you're also understanding that you must save first. And that's, that's uh, the next thing we wanted to talk about in this chapter. Is, uh, Nelson says, above all, you must be patient. Yes. It takes years to get started, and you need to understand this is a lifetime commitment. It's another problem I have with people that are touting the infinite banking concept as they figured out a new way of doing it with these skinny base policies, because their idea is, well, the reason we want to do skinny base policies is because if a person cannot make the payment next year, then they only have to make this really little payment. So what they're saying is, is they're not really committed to actually using this in your life. So once again, it's a way out. They were looking for for something that's easy. I mean, I was even explaining this. I can't remember. I'm going to, I'll think about it in just a second. But we were talking in the car with our family the other day about commitment and following through and being a person of integrity and doing what you say you're going to do. And the specific example I was giving to our 12 year old daughter was that if we believe that marriage is just a, you know, it's, it's nice. We'll try it out. We'll see if it works. If it doesn't work, we'll, you know, we'll dissolve this. We, we don't, you know, we don't really believe in marriage. We just are going to test the waters. We'll, we'll see if it works, but we're not really committed to the idea. We said, 
we wouldn't have, my husband, Lucas, and I wouldn't have a strong marriage. We wouldn't have a family that is dependable. We wouldn't be able to say, look, we're going to weather storms. We're going to go through challenges. We're going to have frustrations and we're going to stay together because this is our value. We're committed to this value. And it's the same way with infinite banking. It's, you need to be able to be committed in the long run. And the only way you can commit to something in the long run is if you believe it's actually valuable and important and you have some internal compass that tells you this is meaningful to me for some reason. Now, the actual Bible doesn't say thou shall do infinite banking. It doesn't even say control the banking function. So we're we're taking ideas and we're saying you have to have some reason for believing that this is good for you to do. And so you have to recognize that if you're going to commit lifelong to something, you have to have the desire, you have to have a conviction that it's the right thing to do. So if you take the banking function in your control, you're now in a position of putting in the capital to start this business, which is an infinite banking policy is like starting a business. It's like capitalizing your own bank. You're capitalizing something so that you can earn the rewards, which are dividends and interest going forward into the future. You're not looking for a way out. Well, I'll test this and see if it might work because maybe it might be cool for this year. And if it if it's not, we'll just, you know, dissolve the policy or we'll walk away from this. That's not the kind of commitment that you need in order to make this actually work in your life. You first need that conviction that it's the right thing to do. And then you need to commit to it wholeheartedly to be a hundred percent all in. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why people hesitate to get started because it's a long-term play, right? It's not something that you're just testing. You're not just dabbling. It's not something that you can just say, well, I'll check it out. What does that mean? Check it out. You'll, you know, pay in one policy this year and hopefully you'll have premium for it next year. It's something you really need to count the cost, understand what you're committing to, know why you're doing it, and then be committed for the long haul. And Nelson really brings it home and he says, yes, be patient. That would be the second thing that I would highlight if you needed to recognize the three things that you need to make any kind of change. One is the desire to make a shift that has to be stronger than your desire to stay where you're at. The second thing is that patience, because without patience, you're not going to stay committed to something that's hard. Yeah. And he, he talks about, and I love the next one. He talks about, um, you know, if it's much like developing a regime of physical conditioning, you must evaluate your current condition, get a coach to design a program of exercise and do it regularly. As you make progress, the coach will make changes to improve your results. Millions will attest to its effectiveness. One thing that I do think our society has done a good job of since the 80s is there is a faction of people that do now take physical fitness to an extreme. You know, they, they, they live it as a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of people, though, unfortunately, that are still very unhealthy and I think we're going down the road of, of uh, unhealthiness being okay because you hear people all the time, oh, you should not body shame. Mm-hmm. You should not tell a person they have to lose weight because that's shaming their body. We're not shaming their looks. We're actually trying to improve their health. So you can actually talk about this with your finances. If you're in bad shape with your finances, we you need somebody needs to tell you, Stop spending money. You should be saving before you spend. 
And that's and that's where he's going in this chapter with some really good advice. Bruce, can the I pause you right there? There's something sure. really, really important that's key here. There is not an ideal figure, an ideal weight for all humans. The challenge is we look at the end result and we think that that's the goal. The goal should be move your body, nourish it with good health, get good nutrition. Those are things that you can actually control. You can't control your genetics that were handed down to you from previous generations. You can't control um, your bone density. You can't control your... um, I don't know what I'm what I'm trying to say, but like the frame, the structure that you are. Sometimes a healthy weight for somebody is a completely different than a healthy weight for another person. That is not the end goal. We shouldn't be looking just at the result. That would be like saying every person should have two million dollars in cash value by time they're age forty. I mean, well, that's a ridiculous end goal because everyone's starting from a different position. But what is important is the things that you can control, the actions that you can take towards good financial health. And those are save first, be in control of your capital, spend less than you earn. Those things can um, conquer Parkinson's law. Those things are in your control. And those things should be things that we take control of. And so, Bruce, I just wanted to bring that distinction because I I think really there are people that I know personally that are extremely, they're doing all the right things for their health. They're they're exercising, they're moving their body, they're really conscious about what they eat. And they may not be the same physical weight as another person who's making those same choices, but they're very healthy for them. And so what's really important is not to look at the end result as the target. Really, the target should be how do I make sure that my actions are most consistently in line with my goals and that I'm making the best choices that are in my control? Great, great points. Let's just bring in Fritz again. He says, people are thinking too much of IBC like investing in a stock and its intrinsic value, too much focus on returns and not much focus on why the concept is important in their lives. Rich, you, you always add so much to the show. And then Bataya uh, says, excellent show as always, only 30 minutes in. Uh, Gem Trail, hey, thanks. We enjoy your comments always. And then finally, Fritz, he's got a good sense of humor all the time, says, let let Spotty shame the fractional reserve system by starting an IBC policy. That, Fritz, that brings up a really good point because one of the one of the goals of the uh, uh, the Nelson Nash Institute with its authorized practitioners program is to actually get ten percent of the people in the United States to actually embrace the infinite banking concept. Because if we can do that, we believe that the 10% is the tipping point that more and more Americans will now think it's as normal as doing stocks, bonds, mutual funds, government programs, so on and so forth. And so that's that tipping point. And so we can put pressure on the Federal Reserve if that happens. So great, great, great points. So I think as we wrap up the last 20 minutes of the show or so, I think um, Nelson does a really, really good job of, of trying to help people change their mindset and their desire. And, and he says, one of the ways you do this is by um, actually learning about things to shift your mindset. Your mindset will shift the more you learn. So he says, organize or join one already in existence, a wealth club that meets periodically. Now, I did write a little 
little caveat here on my book. I said, but be careful because there's social media groups out there right now, even that are um, discussing the infinite banking concept that think they have it all figured out. They have the arrival syndrome. And you have to be careful that you're joining a wealth group or a social media Facebook group or uh, any other type of group you might be joining. You have to be careful that they have not, they don't have arrival syndrome and they are telling you what to think. You need, this needs to be a discovery process with you. Just like it's a discovery process with, I've been doing, I, I tell, I've said this on the show before. I've been doing this before it was cool to be doing this. I've, I've had whole life, my entire life, literally my father took out a policy on me when I was born. And I'm still trying to learn every day how to better, better utilize this, how to better teach this, how to better get this uh, Nelson Nash message out. So just be careful, but do try to join a, a wealth club because it's not just about the infinite banking concept. It's what you do with the cash. So he says, be sure yes. that they include members that already have a good track record. Kind of what I was just saying in practicing the principles of the infinite banking concept, an authorized practitioner would be a good start. Or if you surround yourself with other people that are actually practicing the infinite banking uh, concept, because here's the problem, and this is why the 10%, you feel like what Nelson calls the lone ranger. And when you're the lone ranger, your um, your characteristics, your value system, your ideas are always being attacked. Why are they being attacked? Because you're doing something that the other person is not doing, but they know that you're probably right. So for their ego, they have to try to break you down so that they're convinced in their eyes what they're doing is correct. I've said this on the show before again. My father, who I, I love dearly, he is very stubborn in certain aspects of what he believes. And I love, I, I learned a lot of that conviction from him. My conviction and I stand up for what I believe. However, there are things I believe he does not want to change his belief because then he would have to admit that he wasted 50 or 60 years of his life believing in something. It's a hard thing for anybody to overcome. And if it's something that I feel like it's difficult for my father to overcome, one of the, the people with the highest integrity and intelligence that I know of, then I think people with lesser integrity and lesser intelligence are going to have a very difficult time overcoming them. So, you know, Bruce, I you think that's so true. You surround yourself with like-minded people. I think the, the key piece here is environment. So if you had to say, how do you make a change? How do you actually make real change in your life? And especially in this case, how do you really commit and really get started with infinite banking? First, you need to have a desire that's stronger to change than a desire to stay the same. It needs to be more uncomfortable to stay where you're at than it is to resolve that discomfort by making the change. Secondly, you need to commit for the long term and have patience because it's something that you are building a lifetime, building for a lifetime that will benefit you for a lifetime. And thirdly, is your environment. It's very difficult to 
make a change without changing something in your environment. And so he says, join a wealth club, learn financial responsibility. We're going to talk about real fiscal responsibility here and um, financial, um, what's the word you use? Financial intelligence, literacy, financial literacy, the idea that you really need to have infusing all financial literacy is financial control. And I love that he brings out the book cash flow and the game cash flow. Actually, he's specifically talking about the game by Robert Kiyosaki. And I will attest to this game being profoundly just change transformative, changing in my own life. So I first read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was in eighth grade. I was homeschooled. It was part of our curriculum. My parents said, hey, read this book. And then Lucas and I read it again in our early marriage. And we really love the idea of not just having an income from being an employee or even income from being self-employed, but having cash and assets that work for us by being a business owner, controlling a business entity, or by being an investor where you're controlling investments. So he distinguishes trading time for money or getting money working for you. Then he has this cash flow game that I also started playing as a kid, didn't really understand it at the time. Then Lucas and I found it when our first daughter, um, who's 12 now, she was a baby. And we said, wow, it was it was at a Goodwill store or a Habitat for Humanity store. We were shopping for something totally different. And we walked in and this game said $5.49 on the front cover. And it was still in the original condition. Now this game, I think, I don't know what you can buy it for now, but at the time it was like a $200 investment to buy the new game. So we saved a lot on that. And we started playing it for ourselves. And I was so interested in learning how to break out of the rat race. The premise of this game is that you are given an income. You're, you randomly are dealt a card that gives you your income, your expenses, and everyone thinks that it's great to be the high income earner. You find out quickly in the game that's actually a benefit to be the lowest income earner. I think a truck driver is listed as like one of the lower income earners or a janitor or something, and everyone wants to be the pilot or the, the doctor. However, you have to earn income from assets that exceeds your expenses. And that's the point of the game to break out of the rat race. And in order to do that, you need to buy investments and buy um, real estate properties. Mostly it's real estate, but you also do it through business ownership. And then sometimes you'll buy a stock really low and it will, it can have the opportunity to be sold high. It's not always a guarantee though. So what you're looking at in the game is this idea of truly controlling capital. You have to have cash in order to purchase investments. And then you want to purchase investments, not just expenses. Then we started teaching our daughter when she was pretty young and she started realizing there's these cards called doodads, which are expenses, things that most people in our regular life would think these are amazing. I bought a boat. I went on vacation, those kind of things. Those were all considered doodads. They're expenses that flowed out of your control and you never saw that money again. And some of them were required. You had to, through the game, you had to finance these things. So you realize that it's not only the cost of the item, but it's also the financing that's going to now be a fixed expense that's going to increase your expenses that now you have to overcome by assets. And what's really powerful about this is that it can teach kids. It's not just a game only for adults, but when you're learning through a game, it gives you the ability to really understand what's happening financially with money. And you realize very quickly that exactly what Nelson Nash says is true. You have to control capital so that you can then purchase assets and controlling the banking function. There's no infinite banking in the game, but the idea behind infinite banking about controlling capital and owning assets is absolutely present. And it's the only way to win in the game 
which is really the true financial literacy that we need for ourselves and the one that we need to be teaching for our kids. And so that's a key thing that he says to change your environment by educating yourself and surrounding yourself with other people who are going in the same direction. And if you're the only person you know, then get the game and play the game with other people. That would be a really great starting point. Yeah, I'm always amazed how many people can have an $800 car payment, but they can't save $800 a month. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes no sense when you think about it philosophically. It's like, well, I can't save $800 a month, but I can go out and make an $800 car payment. Why? Because you're forced to make the $800 car payment, but you don't force yourself to actually save money. It's the same thing. But people don't do it. Nelson. That just uh, shows what your value system is then. The value system of that person then is, I'd rather have the thing than have future financial control. And so that's something that we have to overcome in order to gain financial control. Yeah. And Kiyosaki is not against uh, owning things. What he is against is you should buy cash flowing investments to pay for the things that you want. And that's the best way to... uh, to obtain control. Um, Just a a few things left in this chapter. Nelson says, um, we live in a time where many people know the price of everything. And I think this is interesting because Nelson wrote this in 2000, in in the year 2000, before the internet was really prevalent. I mean, it had started already, but it wasn't prevalent. He says, Many people know the price of everything, but the value of nothing. Mm-hmm. And this is what Fritz was talking about earlier when he was saying that, you know, people are trying to compare this to, you know, an investment all the time. Uh, we had uh, one of the people that um, is doing this IBC in his life, and now he, he wants to transition to a practitioner. And so he handed he handed the book he handed the book to his next door neighbor Nelson's book and his re- response to Brian was um, I skimmed over it um, this does fi- uh, whole life does not meet our financial objectives so thanks but no thanks and so what it, what happened here is the people don't that person doesn't understand the value of what he's trying to, uh, Brian was trying to get him to accomplish. He was only just thinking, oh, the stock price. Uh, My grandmother uh, instilled in me that the more you pay for clothes, the less you pay for clothes. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast, and I was just talking to somebody this past week about this. You know, I, I would buy a blazer. I knew exactly um, how much it cost. And I'd say, "Ah, I don't want to pay that much for it. And then it wouldn't fit right. I didn't want to wear it. I just keep it in my closet. Well, but it only cost me $100. And then I, and then, you know, even if you do wear quite a bit, it starts to fray, gets little bumps of, you know, it just doesn't look good. And then I go out and buy a $700 blazer that fits perfectly custom fit. I love to wear it all the time. It looks the same now than it did 10 years ago when I bought it. So I don't have to keep buying 
the Blazers. So I understood from my grandmother that it's not just about the costs, but it's the value of what you're getting from your money. And I think a lot of people are constantly looking at, well, how much does this cost? What is the fee for this? You know, what is this? What is that? And they, they forget to look at the value of that particular thing. First, on the value really quick, what's really important is this is for anything you're going to invest in. If you're going to pay for coaching, if you're going to pay for mentorship, if you're going to pay for a marketing strategy, if you're going to pay a professional to do anything, I mean, for goodness sakes, a chiropractic adjustment, a massage, a, a nutritionist, if you're going to pay anyone, you could say, well, that's expensive. Anything's expensive. I mean, if it's more than free, it's expensive. You could argue that. It depends on what your expectation of a cost would be. But the value of not doing something or the value of doing something is overcoming the price that that you would be paying the cost of not taking action. What I mean by that is if staying the same in your health condition is not serving you and it's causing other, um, you know, it's causing other health problems, it's causing you to have to pay for medication, it's causing strain so you can't do activities that you'd like to do, you can't go hiking the way that you wanted to, it's causing strain in your relationships, it's causing you to not be as productive in your work. Well, the cost of that is way higher than the cost or the price to get healthy. It's the same way in your financial life. If staying the same and paying interest to other institutions and not being in financial control and not earning interest in dividends because somebody else is in financial control rather than you, there's a huge cost to that. The cost over your lifetime is millions of dollars. And when you look at it in that light, the price for say getting getting started with infinite banking is way less than the cost of not taking action. And that's really understanding the value of what you're trying to do. Yeah, that's a great transition to the last paragraph. Above all, get started now. The longer you wait, the more you have penalized yourself. Review the first four parts of this book regularly. If you know what is happening, you'll know what to do. That's what you said earlier. (laughs) The following chapters of this book will, will help in stimulating your imagination so that you can find sources of premium dollars to capitalize your system. And so that, that'll be the next thing we talk about. And uh, one of the big things Nelson's going to bring up into the book is where, are, where is money that you're, you're putting someplace else that you can now capitalize your system? And um, that way, people maybe can make the transition pretty easily for themselves. I love that he says, get started now. I mean, the real truth is anytime you're going to make a change, it's going to feel like it's too early. Everything that you did, whether it was buying a house, I'm sure you were, if you were anything like us, we're like, well, everything makes sense, but now we have to sign on the dotted line. Okay. Well, that's a big commitment. It's not something that's just, you know, buying a steak for dinner or something. This is a really big commitment and that can cause you to say, well, let's just go ahead and wait and not make the decision now. The same thing with getting married or having children or anything that's good in life. You have to get started now. And that might be getting started small so that you can um, so that you can have a smaller commitment and not have something that's going to be too big for you to bear in your own financial life. And then you'll get creative. You'll use your imagination. You'll find additional sources of capital as you go. And you'll have reasons to continue building your banking system by adding additional policies. You also have increases in income. And so 
what you start with now does not have to be all you ever do. So uh, Bruce, I can take that to a close or you can, I'm not sure how much um, quiet time I have before. No, no I'm, I'm good. I think uh, this is a very important chapter um, that Nelson put in this and said, Hey, I've given you all the information why this makes sense. Now you have to have the desire to get started. And it really comes to that simple. Um, but he understood the human condition. So uh, I would encourage everybody to read his book. Can you continue to read it? I'm on my second book and I continue to read it over and over and over. It's my favorite thing to do on a plane. I just pull it out and quickly read it again. Bruce, I'm glad that you just shared that passion for um, continuing to read this book because I have also read it before and I can guarantee you that I'm seeing more the second time that I'm reading through. I will say this is only my second read. And I think I actually don't know. I'd have to look back at my finished read book list. And so um, it's really powerful when you really start unpacking something and looking at each component. So Fritz, yes, baby is getting big. Um, Pilistro VC, thank you for jumping in and, um, Beautiful on passive. So um, I think you're talking about passive income. Um, so anyway, I would love to hear your comments on what that um, specifically, the on passive part was about. Thank you for joining in on the show today. Thank you for being with us on this conversation. As we'll continue this dialogue, we have several more chapters to go in Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And um, we're really enjoying sharing this knowledge and wisdom with you. And I think it's very valuable for anybody, anyone who is really wanting to fully understand their decision for infinite banking, and then be able to communicate that back to themselves, back to their spouse, back to friends, um, and really be able to continue making choices that are in alignment with your values. And so that being said, if you are interested in getting started or starting another policy, please reach out to us at themoneyadvantage.com. You can book a call on our page, um, right on our front page, you can take yourself over to our calendar and get on the calendar and talk with an advisor about how to implement this in your life, how to start taking action, how to get started now. And especially if you're in that position of saying, my desire is high for making this change and taking over the banking function in my life. I'm ready to commit long-term and I want to change my environment. I, you're doing a great job by listening to our show. There's other uh, education about infinite banking. I would really encourage you to read uh, the book here that we're talking about today, Becoming Your Own Banker. Nelson Nash also has another book called Warehouse of Wealth. Dig into those books. Surround yourself with a different environment, a different way of financial thinking so that you can take financial control. And we'll be we're very happy to be part of your journey um, just as you're listening into the show today. So I didn't ask any specific questions. I'd love to know if you had any questions from this conversation that we had today about making a change to start infinite banking. And I'd also love to know if you are using infinite banking for yourself yet and how long you've been using infinite banking. So I'll leave that um, for the end of the show and we'll be with you next time. In closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. We'll see you next time. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, 
Click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on the moneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.